Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to Sorry, our sound system's kind of misbehaving today, so those of yonder who are in the far reaches of the stadium, uh, uh, turn your hearing aids up. Uh, so I'll do what I can. Uh, Father Daniel's a little under the weather with family. He keeps me doing pretty good, but uh, others are down to things. Not COVID, just children. Um, <laughs> God bless our little petri dish hearts. But um, uh, I remember uh, when we had our four at home, young ones. Uh, one of them would come home sick, and my hypochondria uh, would be kind of set on fire, usually. It was always a fearful thing, and my prayer was, Oh Lord, let it not be on the weekend. Uh, so that I would be here. That's anyway, it's a joy to be here. We read in John's Gospel, let's start here, reading John's Gospel, a place where Jesus says, and this is eternal life, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Uh, this is a foundational uh, understanding that eternal life is uh, can be encompassed in knowing God in Christ. Uh, and so and this is uh, a cornerstone of orthodoxy. Today, the Sunday of St. Gregory Palamas is uh, last Sunday was called the Sunday of Orthodoxy because of the icons. This Sunday is sometimes called uh, the second Sunday of Orthodoxy. Uh, last week commemorated the icons being restored, which in many ways, especially in terms of Conciliar teaching the great seven councils, the icons were uh, the great proclamation of the seventh council and seen as to encompass the entire faith. So why a second Sunday of orthodoxy? This, uh, if you will, is its application uh, and highly associated with St. Gregory Panamas, and that is a defense of the experience of knowing God. I'm not going to get into the doctrine of essence and energies and the various kind of Byzantine categories in which all of this was discussed at the time of St. Gregory, let me boil it down to the straightforward uh, uh, boilerplate uh, matters of it, in which Gregory defends the Orthodox understanding that the root of our life uh, in God is that we might know Him. That we, do, we don't worship that which we do not know, but we know him uh, who has called us uh, to himself in his beloved son. Uh, and he defended uh, the experience of that and the necessity on some level uh, in our lives. The sort of the temptation that he was dealing with, and it was really an argument with the West, because uh, he, he, he lived and wrote in the 1300s. And so it was an encounter with uh, someone who had been trained in Western scholasticism, and the tendency to kind of want to boil things down to, you know, just written stuff, you know, arguments, rationality. Um, and there is, it, 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 I mean, rationality is useful, uh, you know, we, you can reason about a lot of things, but the truth is, is it always, it always comes up to a wall. And, there, and it can't take you beyond that. And my own experience over the years is rationality is really good, especially if you'd like to cultivate doubt. 
and help us meet it. They get you to a place, and then you get stuck, and you start wondering. And I don't know, at a certain place, rationality is a dog chasing its tail. Round and round you go, and the arguments don't cease. Something has to interrupt uh, to make that different. Now, St. Gregory, in his uh, debates, talked about the vision of the divine, uncreated light, the light the disciples saw on the Mount of Transfiguration, or that Moses saw on Mount Sinai. And I have to agree uh, that there'd be, if you saw the divine light, it'd have a way of hushing up your arguments, <laughs> of interrupting the dog chasing his tail. But you and I, I, I haven't had the vision of divine light, um, and you probably haven't either. Though there are any number of those alive who bear witness to having seen this, and, and we can hear their testimony. Uh, wonderful uh, martyr, uh, uh, modern confessors, uh, Saint George, uh, Saint, he's going to be a saint, but Father George Couchy, uh, Father Roman Braga, a couple of uh, men. Uh, who suffered under the regime of Ceausescu, terrible, horrible tortures. Uh, Father Roman was in uh, solitary confinement, I mean like real solitary confinement, couldn't even get a window for a couple of years, and he said it was there he learned to pray. Father George's witness as well, uh, and uh, they bore witness to having seen the light in prayer. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, that's a lot of hard, that's the hard way uh, to find the light under torture. Uh, but so there's other routes to us, if not to the light, uh, then to the knowledge of God. But this is part and parcel of our life. We are used to using reason and, and uh, you know, object, so-called objective knowledge uh, to try to find out things. I'm going to use an example, though, today. Um, I got interested a couple of years ago YouTube interested, not like anything I did about it, but just I got interested in watching YouTube videos on uh, uh, looking for gold. Uh, once upon a time, East Tennessee uh, had a gold rush. Turns out there wasn't a lot of gold. We had a gold rush, and because of the gold rush, uh, they moved the Cherokee to uh, Oklahoma. Then they had an oil rush, and that's another story out there. But there was a gold rush in Georgia and in Tennessee, and they moved the Cherokee off so that we could go look for their gold. Um, and it's still there. If you know how to look for it, you can pan the rivers. It's not as good as Alaska. I know in Alaska, you go out in the morning to take out the trash and just pick up gold off the ground because it's, it's everywhere, like it used to be in California. Uh, amazing, or, or under rocks in Australia. It's amazing things you can see on YouTube of people finding golds. It's interesting. Uh, and uh, I got curious because we like a vacation over the mountains, and I was wondering what would be involved in getting me a pan, going out in the river and looking for some gold. You know, I mean, there's ways to do it and things you look for and quartz outcroppings and things like that, and, you know. And I can imagine, you know, some people spend a lifetime doing these things and make a little money on the side. Um, you know, can imagine if gold were like God, and you go looking for it, and you don't find it, and you just <laughs> finally get frustrated and say, I just don't, I'm not even certain there is any gold. I just, other people talk about it, but I ain't seen it. I've been out there for hours with my pen, 
having God reflect. That's kind of how we tend to think about knowing something. Then imagine you'd come out of your house one day and get ready to get in your car, and there is a one-ounce gold nugget sitting in your seat. What do you do with that? Well, I mean, you put it in your pocket, of course, but, uh, or something like that. But uh, what would you do? You'd been looking for gold, you hadn't found any, then you come out and there's some sitting in your seat, and you have to think somebody's up to something. Uh, well, this is much more like the experience of God. We go looking for God, we think. Um, although, mostly when we go looking for God, we go looking for Him in our head. We try to think thoughts, like expecting somehow another figure Him out, or stare at something long enough and see Him, uh, or wonder why when I pray I don't hear anything. Uh, where is He? And, and, and all of this. Well, there is, there's a lot about God that is hidden. And he tells us that. doesn't tell us anything different than that. He said, knock, ask, seek. He warned us it was going to be like that. And yet he told us this is knowledge, is this knowledge of God, the basis of our life. That is eternal life. That we might know him. Because like this second gold story of the nugget that just appears in my seat. Um, he is not passive. If God were passive, we could find him. Just by going out there, like going and finding that rock. You just gotta go find where it is. I mean, objective knowledge is based on stuff uh, that won't hide from you. Objective knowledge is based on stuff. Just stuff. Not living and alive. Um, the, for instance, thinking in order to find God is an odd kind of thing because God is in your thought. I mean, I don't know about you, but you know, I can use a mirror and look in my eyes, but if I don't have a mirror, I can't look in my eyes. And then I know they're there. I know they're there. God has this, He, he is in every breath we breathe, every thought we think, everything that is everywhere around us, so much so that we can't even see. He is so with us. And then there are these little interrupting moments, like the gold nugget that appears in the seat. Something that interrupts your life, that brings you up short, that uh, a desire that you cannot make go away, that hungers for him, and other things, just moments of conversion in our life, going into church, thinking just normal, and suddenly you're knocked off your feet. These things just happen. Um, one of the things that St. Gregory taught was that God makes himself known to us in what in Greek is the term, uh, the term the divine energies, which means the divine actions. Uh, God acts. Uh, he gives himself. He offers himself. He interacts with us. He interrupts us. He contradicts us. He knocks us down. Sometimes he uses the holy two-by-four uh, and other things in our lives. This is, he, he is active. And yet, there's this, and we know this, there's this strange dance taking place. 
He is active in making himself known, but there is a purpose in knowing him. And that is not that I might file God in my uh, knowledge files. Let's see. Look under G. Maybe he's under J. Uh, you know, go, go looking for him. Uh, and filing the way. That, oh, yeah, God, I got that. I found him last year. And it's like March. There he is. Uh, no. The, the knowledge of God changes us. And that change is also part of the purpose of knowing him. That we might know him and have eternal life. That is a quality, not just of life, but a very quality of our being. And we are taught in scriptures that to know him is in fact to be like him. St. John says, for then we will see him. When we see him, we shall be like him, for we will see him as he is. And so there is this, this kind of dance, this movement in our life from I seek him, he seeks me, I seek him, he seeks me, and we move in this. And there's times in between that seem absent and empty. And then the desire comes again, and I seek him, and he seeks me. Or even times when I think I've kind of forgotten him, and then something comes along, and it's awake again. He's seeking me. And this, this is the movement. God is living and active and seeking us. The one who comes after us, uh, he is the father who runs out to meet the prodigal son. Uh, not just waiting for the prodigal son to come and find him. The father surely had never ceased looking for his son. He was always praying and looking for him. Uh, and so this is God active in his energies, always everywhere around us. Scripture says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Um, we have a witness of the saints that not only that they see God in everything, every blade of grass, every leaf on a tree, every rock, even in the terrible things, they see God. This is a testimony to the purity of their heart. And I'll add this as a, as a thought as we have ourselves here in Great Men. It's interesting that we don't, we tend to not look for God in the very places where he told us he was. For example, Jesus said, Inasmuch as you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. I was sick, he said. You want to find God? Look for him in the sick. We tend to see sick people and say, where is God? Why are these people sick? And yet, what does Jesus say? I was sick and you visited me. Every sickness, every disease, every suffering person in this world, God is there. If you want to seek him, Seek for him there. It is a mystery, and you'll have to go into the depths of the cross to find him there. But he, if you want to know him, why don't you look for him where he told you? I was hungry. You gave me food. Look for him in the hungry. Look for him in those in prison. Look for him where he told us he was and is and ever shall be. Um, it is true that we can encounter God in our heart. And yet, very often, we again, we miss that. 
You want to find God in your heart? Look where you're sick. Look into the sickness in your soul. Look into the hunger in your soul. Look at the prison in your soul. And visit, visit your soul in those places and call for God. He, he comes. He comes. Surely, if he entered the darkness of Chaschewski's prisons to enlighten his servants, <coughs> his servants, the priest Roman, the priest George, and many, many others, surely he can find you and I in these little hard, hard prisons we created for ourselves. Uh, this is the fate of the Orthodox. This is the fate that has established the universe. To God we give glory to the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever, and in ages of ages. Amen. Amen.